Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's Siddle. He's got Welcome back to another episode of Two Slips and a Gully, and we have some test cricket to talk about. Oh my god, yes, it's amazing, it's back. And uh, joining me for this uh, this test cricket smorgasbord, I've got the other Aaron. How are you, Aaron? Mate, I'm not too bad, really. Not too bad? Yeah. Yep, we, you know, it's hard, to be, it's hard to be really bad when we've had uh, two really good test matches that uh, we've been was, subjected to. It's pretty hard on the marital status because, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit lame at the moment, so I spent a little bit of time at home, and it happened to coincide with two test matches going on, which basically started at noon and went to midnight. <laughs> so I didn't do an awful lot in those few days, and I must admit um, Australia did what we expected they went to do. Um, the other test match, I mean, we, I think we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit later. Oh, look, I just... In all honesty, the fact that there was a result of any kind for that match is is staggering. Take, oh yeah, completely take the performance out. The performances was yeah. the performances we'll obviously talk about, but that England Pakistan uh, test. When you're looking at the pitch and how it played, the fact that they managed to get a result at all yeah. is is phenomenal, and just goes to show that just um, just how well England played. Um, oh, hats actually hats off to England. I thought Stokes is. He's something else, isn't he? We haven't seen his like for a while. I reckon it'd go close to being probably close to being in terms of how you'd like to run a and one of the close to the perfect tests as a captain. Yeah, massive score up front. Obviously, plenty of time for the other team to to score big, and they did. Um, but you know, but then the, batted well. The, the, the declared, ball was in his court. Declared early, gave himself yeah. a chance to to win, and also yeah. Pakistan a chance to win. So yeah. it was. Well, um, isn't it a good example too of how 
It's how important I'm mean, I think it gets overlooked a lot of time is when you declare. Yeah. Okay. And like there's been all this thing, oh, it's the greatest declaration in cricket history. No, it's not. But it, yeah. it's going back into another era where sporting declarations were quite often the norm rather yeah. than the exception. Yeah. The West Indies started this concept back in the 70s and 80s of batting teams out of the equation. Because they knew that the bowling attack they, they, they could just teams. roll through you. And they didn't, the time wasn't really their issue. They knew that if they got three sessions on the last day at you, you were done. Yeah. So, um, obviously, anything that comes in in the modern media is there's recency bias. So it is a fantastic sporting declaration, and on that wicket, oh, it's one of the great sporting declarations. Yes. Oh, absolutely! Not not taking anything away but, from um, that. It was it was yeah, it was we, brilliant. It was brilliant captaincy. But I must a hundred and. Hundred and fifty years of international cricket, and anyone that just immediately goes, "This is the greatest of all time," is just is tiresome. <laughs> it's really tiresome. And it's good. It's good for it to stir people up on the internet. Web, uh. isn't it? I must admit to being guilty of that. I do like to get on there and have debates with foreigners and people who think they know about cricket, <laughs> and just point out a few little salient facts about the history, the tradition the skill levels, the comparisons between players that people like to go on with. I'd like to have my two box with. Yes, that's, obviously that's why we're on a cricket podcast. <laughs> uh, so right after this, we'll get straight in, stuck into that. We've obviously got the Australia-West Indies Test Series to talk about. We've got the England and Pakistan game, and uh, the Big Bash is right around the corner. So we'll have a bit of a chat about the Big Super Bash. Super coach. And, Super uh, coach. And some final Super Coach notes. So all of that cricketing goodness is coming up right after this. So the uh, first test between Australia and the West Indies has completed and Australia taking the honours. And it was a fairly convincing win, but it wasn't convincing in the way that I think we thought. Um, uh, we would have thought the strength of the West Indian team was going to be their bowling, but um, their bowling was awful. Awful. Yeah. yeah. And it was actually their openers who I thought were probably going to be the most, while they were probably the strongest parts of that batting lineup with the new ball um, at, in, at, you know, over in Perth, I thought they were going to be the most susceptible to being knocked over early. And uh, Craig Bathwaite and Chander Paul Jr. got his debut. And you'd have to say, um, with a 40, well, 50 in the 51 in the first innings and a 45 in the second innings off 126 balls trying to bat out to save the game, Oh, you'd say that he's primed for a reasonably successful, a long and successful career. That's a pretty good showing in your in your debut test on foreign conditions. God, it makes you feel old just watching him bat to bat, doesn't it? <laughs> Although we'll he, has, he hasn't that. gone hasn't gone quite as absurd in the stance as his old man, but the mannerisms, everything else, that cut shot, the oh, pull shot, I just want to that see the flick through the flute through the mid wicket. Oh my God. I, want, I want him to bring out the black the black tape yeah. under his eyes yeah. just to, for oh, yeah. posterity. And just have daddy's boy written. <laughs> <laughs> just so everybody knows. Um, uh, he was fantastic. And what about Craig Brathwaite? Yeah, well, 100, 110 off 188 balls. So yeah, he's striking really, at 60, which is not what you typically consider as no. uh, Brathwaite strength. In the first inning, 64. Like, great showings from those guys. Like, I thought the, you know, they were all out for 283 in their first innings and all out for 333 in in the fourth innings. Um, and while it doesn't compare to Australia's 598 that they got 
you know, when you've got that sort of scoreboard pressure. But I thought they showed plenty of fight. They didn't really there give it away. There was an enormous fight. And, like, even from guys like, um, and, I mean, I know they were criticised for some of their performances in the middle order, but there wasn't too many of those guys who come out and played a, a really cavalier sort of shot to get themselves out. Yeah, we had to... Probably De Silva. Actually, you know, I was a little bit... De Silva, yeah. De Silva's dismissal in the first innings against um, Mitchell Stark. Stark. Swinging ball. No, no, no. Like you just don't play I, I think that sort it was a, I think it was a ball that was going to clean him up regardless, but that should have you know crashed into the pad or yeah. something like that. Not just a big heave yeah. over mid wicket that he tried to get out to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the second innings, sort of Roston Shea scored a fifty. Alsari Joseph chipped in with a forty three, yeah. and like he I, showed he could bat Alsari Joseph, didn't he? Very, not just like we've very seen him handy. In, seen him in the T twenties where he can actually launch a few, but he he's he could al- bat. He's already got a surprising amount of sixes in his career, and it hasn't been a long career. I can't remember the number, and I probably should have looked it up, but I only just thought about it after you prompted me saying that Alsari Joseph could bat. They brought up his his Test sixes, and I was like, that's that's a not an insignificant number for a, a, a tail ender that hasn't played a lot of tests. That's um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, I think we had to earn all of their wickets. There wasn't too many West Indians yeah. that sort of gave it away. But on the other yeah. side of things, I thought that their bowling attack was disappointing. List, was just listless. Yeah. It, it had lacked discipline. It yeah. lacked a. It lacked an identity. It lacked direction, how they were going to do things. I was very disappointed they, in young sales. They were playing for the declaration yeah. way too soon. Yeah. Um, even when um, they like, we were having this conference, you came over and watched uh, uh, day one yeah. with with me, and uh, I think right, I think it was two overs before they actually did it. I said to you, if I was Craig Brathwaite, I'd be bringing on Alzari Joseph coming around the wicket and just banging it into the ribs, setting yeah. in a. a yeah. A, a leg gully, a leg slip, and a square leg, and a bat pad. And exactly. See what happens. You see what happens with Marnus. And yeah. just and just see it might not work, but um. And then a couple of overs later, they did it, and we had the joke that me and Craig Rathwaite must be connected because of <laughs> those wickets. <laughs> you got him another one, but too. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was sitting there, folks, and he got Craig Rathwaite another wicket. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bring bowl the Marnus again. He got him out nearly first ball last time. See if he can, and he didn't. I was like, well, 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 no. but um, even when they did that, he just seemed to have his. He just had him foot in each camp. He went, all right, I'm going to go around the wicket, but I'm just going to set lots of deep protection and give him. It was just. There was be, no attacking intent. You need to be in or out, and then Alzari Joseph didn't really execute that plan well, and just yeah it was just really disappointing because i thought they really had a bowling attack that could have yeah. kept Hol- the aussies on Holder was probably the one who kept his his usual standards up there wasn't a, an awful lot there for him but he certainly found something off the seam um wasn't much swing which i think is probably his biggest weapon but he he bowled brilliantly at times and was so economical and had probably had a couple more wickets than what he had Jaden seals was i was really disappointed in him i was i'd seen him like highlights and stuff and I thought his they found a, a hot one here and he was flat out getting up over 130. Yeah four and a half and over. What about this? So an attack that had Kemar Roach, Jaden Seals, Alzari Joseph, Kyle Mayers and Jason Holder. So five guys so that yeah. you could bowl test match overs. Kyle Mayers I thought for large parts was their best bowler in that Certainly, first innings. Yeah. And Roston Chase bowled more overs than all of them, going at four and a half and over, and that's yeah. because he pegged it back at the end. He was going, he was going at sevens at one stage. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like at that point, you just surely you're looking at that and you're going right. 
Kyle Mayers is the spinner at the moment. We don't give – Roston's not getting the ball until well into the 60th over, like once it's getting old and just seeing – He was on in about the 30th over or something, oh, wasn't he? Just nuts. Just You've got five seam bowlers, but your spinner's on in the 30th over. I, I start, watched the start of the game, and I must admit to being totally lost at what their tactics were from ball one. I couldn't work out because, yes, he had, he had attacking fielders, but – it's the eighth over of the test match and you've got a deep point. And within about four overs, they had a deep a deep backwards well, square. That's the thing. They, well, he, persisted with, he persisted with two slips and a gully for most of the innings, but then were just his other fielding things were just completely nonsensical. Massive gap cover, deep point. It's just, yeah, it was... No gully in Perth. No gully in Perth. Yeah. Really? A, a, a fast bouncy wicket where people like to play crossback shots and you've got no gully. Yeah. I, I just, you know, what, has, haven't you done your research or haven't you played here before or don't you know people who've played here before? Haven't you watched what goes on in, in this part of the world? Because yeah. it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a really nasty pitch by any stretch of the imagination. We've seen worse ones in Perth. But on the second, third, fourth day, it was... It was, well, that, it was coming well, through. Well, mate. that's one thing. We are going to criticise the other test matches pitch. What did you think of the Perth wicket? I would have loved to have seen a little, a little bit more zip on the first day. I think it was a little bit slow on the first day, and that might have caught them a bit by surprise. They're thinking it's going to fly through. And like, don't get me wrong, the silver's still standing 15, 20 minutes back. You know, so the ball's carrying through very comfortably. And... Um, yeah, I would have liked to say maybe a little bit more, just I, a little bit more pace in it on that first day. But... I, I feel, if anything, it probably favoured the batsman a bit, but the Australian bowlers showed that all through all five days there was enough in it, if you're willing, to, to do the hard work. I think at stages so did the West Indies. I mean, Holder bowled a couple of spells. There was Rui Joseph bowled a couple of spells. Kemar Roach bowled a couple of spells. Seals even bowled one reasonably good spell where he looked threatening and was his pace was up a little bit about mid one thirties or whatever, um, but they didn't. There was no consistency in their attack. There was no consistency in the line. No consistency in the field in the fields. And I think as a bowler, when you captain, I mean, at one stage he was making a field change a ball. Yeah, and that's. That's not how it works, mate. Yeah, you can't build. There was no attempt at like the Australians who you know. The Australians have a better bowling attack than the West Indies. They've got a good bowling attack, don't get me wrong, but no. the Australians, they're better. They're expect home conditions oh, look, and the calendar of great bowling attacks in our history. They are better. And they had to work for their wickets, and that no. was the thing. But they did work for the wickets. They stuck to it, they stuck to it, and they came through at the end, no. whereas the West Indies just seemed to be, well, we've tried that for a little bit and it hasn't worked. We've tried that for a little bit and it hasn't worked. And then before too long, the game was getting out of hand, and then they were just batting for a, a bowling for a declaration. No. Um to talk about the Australians because there's been some phenomenal performances um, in here. So Marnus Labuschagne, I believe, has become the f- joins a list of seven, eight, eight. Is it eight Australians that have scored a double hundred and a hundred? Oh no, that's uh, that's eight in history. Oh, in history, that's not Australians. That's in history. The only other two would be Greg Chapel and Doug Walters. I would think. I think they're the only two other Australians. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a double hundred and a hundred in the same yeah. game. Yeah, so it's not bad going. Marnus had, had a day out yeah, and right. batted very briskly. So sixty strike rate of sixty in the first innings and a run, basically a runner ball hundred in the second. Um, smudge doing smudge stuff, 
scored an unbeaten double hundred. I, I got the feeling that by the time he got to about 20, they just weren't going to get him out. Yeah, he just never looked bothered at all, did he? he, It was just a... And it was interesting, like, just the way he acknowledged your pause, you know, and stuff like that. When he got to his 100, you thought, oh, Even, because early on, because we lost lost David Warner early when he chopped on to Jaden Seals. Marnus looked vulnerable early, which is what you would expect out of a new batsman. He looked like that they were... um, On the first test match of the summer, on on a greenish wicket with fast bowlers coming at you, nobody likes fun. Fast bowling, man. I don't care what they say. Nobody likes that, you know. And, and everybody's got a spot where if you get the ball there fast, it will cause you some problems. Mm. And Marnus seems to be about fifth stump kicking at him. Yeah. He and Kawaja sort of got through that, did the hard work, and then... Kawaja yep. played very well again. Yeah, he did. Oh, I actually thought this summer was a bit of a red flag because he's done, played a lot of his you know, more recent successful... Uh, games on on slow wickets, and that's never been an issue for Kawaja. And I thought coming into this summer, you know, we've got a pink ball test, we've got a test out at the Wacker, or at, sorry, at Perth, and then we've got three games against a very, very, very fast attack in South Africa. This could be a bit of a, a wake up call to to Kawaja because mm. you know we, we know that he can bat well in slow low conditions, but he, he's come out and he looked he looked the goods. Um, you know, was disciplined, didn't sort of square up to any of these quicker deliveries. Mm. When spin came on, he punished it and and was unlucky to just get an absolute jaffer from from Mez. Yeah, um, probably the best ball that was bowled by West in the in, in the Test match as far as the perfect ball. Yeah, you know, like you have. Lots of people think they bowl the perfect ball, but it's not a perfect ball unless you get a wicket. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was but, just absolutely in the right spot, just did enough. Kawaja did absolutely nothing wrong. <laughs> what do you do? And they and they did their job. They got the uh, took the shine off the new ball, wore the bowlers down. By the time Smith came out, I just didn't see a point that Smith got worried. No, he at was just all. in control. Just, just came out and went, cool, all right, um, well, just let me know when you guys want to come back inside. I'm just going to bat until... Yeah. I'm just going to bat till it's time to go in. Cool, thanks. And when time to go in was when he'd scored 200. Yeah. Um, Travis Head came out, did Travis Head things. What were you expecting of him, especially with the platform that was laid between oh, him and Mark, uh, Smith felt, and Mark? I just felt it was such another another way that Travis Head found to get himself out. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I think I said on our um, on our group chat. I said Travis Head doing Travis Head doing things. Travis Head things again. I have a feeling that Travis Head may be the middle order left handed version of Michael Slater. Yeah, just oh, gonna, actually, yeah, he's got that. He's got that. <laughs> he's just going to look back on his career and he's going to have so many scores where he's done his job. You know, his job was to go out, oh, he, really he, put the he boot did, in. He did. And the thing about deserved a hundred, yeah, um, he, he played exceptionally well. And it wasn't he? It wasn't like that hundred, one of the hundreds he got against England last year, where he just absolutely smashed everything. It was a very controlled innings, yeah, and, and it's, still at a better yeah, than a runner ball, still at a better than a runner ball. So it shows like how dangerous this guy is. But again, um, I'm just wondering yeah. if in twenty years' time, when we look back on his career, how many you know in the hundreds and fifties column we're going to be looking at going. Yeah, if Travis had just calmed down, there'd be half a dozen, <laughs> nine, ten more yeah. in that hundred well, column. Slater, and Slater got fifteen or something, or fourteen or sixteen, and, and nine, nine nineties. Yeah, yeah, nine nineties. So, um, are we gonna? Is he gonna be? And another thing is, he gonna be a hundred and out guy for the rest of his career? Oh, I think he's got the capability of scoring big. I don't think that's going to be an issue. The issue is going to be. Well, wasn't his first hundred a hundred and sixty or something? 
Yeah, it was, it was a big one. He's got big scores in him, and yeah. the ability to go and go and go. Like he's he scored big scores in um, in domestic cricket. I don't think that's ever going to be an issue. His issue will be can. I suppose it's the same thing we we talk about later on with Basball. Has Travis Head got a different gear in him mm. when things aren't going? Like, mm. yeah, counterattacking is great. And there were positions where he probably wasn't in the position to counterattack the way that he did, and he still did it anyway and it came off. Mm. But, it's, you know, but there's going to be times where Travis Head's going to need to dig in and maybe not play that free-flowing game. And, mm. and Has and, he and, got and, that? Has he, can, he, can he bring it? Can he scale himself down? Can he can he drop it back into second and just work through a tough bit and then accelerate again, or is it just I'm going and I'm going to go until I get out? Yeah. And some days when Travis Head is seeing it like a beach ball, that's going to turn into 150, or it's going to be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. Yeah. Has he got the ability to go race to 70 and then when he sees four wickets fall at the other end, go whoa, okay, well three wickets fall at the other end, go let's bring it back down, let's reset, let's build a partnership. Yeah. Um, or is it just well? If they're getting out, I better get mine, and if I get mine, we'll be okay. It's just that that's going to yeah. be the thing for. Well, I, I, I'm I'm not sure we really want to rein him in. If we with the with the top four oh, that we've got I'm at the not, moment, I don't think that we need to rein him in. But I'd like for him to have a different gear that he himself can go to. So something that he finds within himself. Yeah, not just not, not, yeah, not put the, tra- the chains on Travis and go, mate, you need to slow down. But when Travis himself can can recognise that, okay, I don't need to go to run a ball here. We're in a bit of trouble. Let's let's do the, the test match batting. Let's dig ourselves out. Let's get ourselves to a point that I can accelerate again because he's not going to... He's not going to have it his own way the whole time. He's going no. to come into, yeah, we're going to go, if he wants, especially because we're, we're, we're talking about him going to the subcontinent, we both think that he shouldn't go. Well, yeah. he shouldn't be in the 11. Yeah. And he's not going to get that over in the subcontinent. No. And he doesn't, he hasn't shown that he's got that gear to work through those those tough no. periods. And I think that's, that's when he really needs it. Our biggest criticism criticism of him on these slower spinning wickets is that he doesn't have a plan B or a plan C. And the best players do. Mm. I mean, watch Smudge. You know, if you ever want to, if you want to ever see somebody who's got Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, Plan D against all types of bowling in all types of conditions, there it is. Mm. You know, so what do you, th- what what do you think has- of Hussey's comments that we shouldn't do what we did to Kawaja and and horses for courses in? I mean, we wouldn't take Kawaja to subcontinent conditions after he had a few tours there and was quite frankly garbage. Um, and then we just we then dropped him whenever we were going away. He play home summers and yeah. England and places like that, but we wouldn't take him to the subcontinent. Huss is like, you shouldn't do that to, to Travis Head. What are your thoughts on that? Because we're all very much in the camp of if you can't play the conditions, then you don't send him over there to figure it out. You no. you tell him to get India. India Australia Test matches now have such significance and such importance, and they mean so much to both countries, and they mean an awful lot to us because we haven't won in there in so long, and we know that we need to do things differently. We know we things have got to be different, and we've we've you know talked about this at length on the on the podcast. Um, I don't see where he fits into the strategy in India. We need guys who can who can who do have that plan B, plan C, and that's why guys like Hanscom are going to be, I think, in in the cure ahead of him. He'll play. Travis Head will play fifty tests in Australia, and probably have an average of about forty five fifty. 
But we've already seen overseas, you know, admittedly Pakistan, we can kind of give that a bit of a pass mark. He didn't have a clue in Sri Lanka. And see, see it's that, not going to get any easier in India. My concern is if, if Travis Head was the kind of guy that goes, this is how he bats and sometimes he's going to come off and sometimes he's not, maybe you take him there as a bit of a difference maker. Yeah. But the problem I see is I just don't see that there's ever going to – like at the moment, you just don't see that there's any success brewing there. It's not just a case no. of he's getting unlucky. It's just he's not yeah. suited to those conditions. Yeah. So that, that, it, that is the issue. And it's it, not like we think that he, he can't play or he's not a test-class player. He certainly is. But everybody has places in the world, unless you're one of the really, really elite players, where you'll fail. Oh, man, we're going to talk about David Warner as being one of the greatest openers Australia's ever had. But he's got two places in the world where he's failed. Mm. Like, Ponting's one that gets talked about quite a lot um, as, as suffering over in India. Ponting got stitched up in India. But, he really did. But I there were times where line. there were other times where Ponting had plenty of success in, in other subcontinent conditions. It yes. wasn't – it was more – so I think that's the thing. Ponting has a game plan. It's you know some you know he went to some tours where it didn't come off, and he went to some tours where it did. Whereas you just I just don't see yeah. Head has the the ability at the moment to where you're like okay he got out cheaply, but you can tell that if he just got to twenty, yeah. he had, he would get. He looked like he was going to get out at any time. Yeah, and, and that's that, and that's the problem. He didn't ever look secure, and he never looked. He never looked like. He was reading what was going on off the wicket. He was it was always he was way too far ahead of the ball in Pakistan. I mean the slowness of the wicket shows that up. Yeah. And all of his outs were spooning balls, you know, I think he got caught and bowled, he got caught at mid off. Um, yeah. So he wasn't able to adjust to that. So if you throw in that with, with some spin And I, I just I kinda don't like where Hussey's coming from because bowlers are certainly not immune. To it, like bowlers, Bolland, for example, played three incredible tests in the during the Ashes yeah. and was immediately dropped because they knew that he wasn't going to be the the player that they needed yeah. over in subcontinent conditions. Yeah. And so, why do bowlers get that why same horses, horses for courses? Yeah. But batsmen are just like, oh, you need to let them play through the tough period. And it's just like, well, they're not the guy to get the job done in the conditions. You know. Batsman, you, 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 you tell Travis Head, look, yeah. mate, you've 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 had half, you've had what, ten tests or whatever it might be, and you've not only have you struggled to score any runs, but you just don't even look like that runs are around the corner. Yeah. You need to go and figure out a way to be more successful on these pitches. It's, it shouldn't just be, oh well, you know, we know that he comes off and he needs consistency. You don't yeah. want to chopping and changing because some yeah, that might be detrimental to how he's going to play in friendly conditions. It's like, well, no. uh, if bowlers get to be sat on the bench because they're not right for the conditions, then batsmen very much should be sat on the bench because they're Absolutely. not right for the conditions. Absolutely. And, and Travis Head is showing a, a pattern of not, not being right, right for, for the, the conditions. conditions. It's, it's, a very, it's a very simple equation, and I think Australian cricket now really has to be at the stage. India's like the final frontier. I know we haven't won there in a long time. We need to be ruthless. We, we need, need to be ruthless. It needs to be the, you know, you know, I think in our game plan. Pick the best 11 to do that particular job. Yeah. Is Travis Head a better test batsman than Peter Hanscom? Probably. Yeah. You'd probably say that that's the case. Peter Hanscom also gave, has, half, has a handful of test centuries mm. and proven runs in Indian conditions. If you gave, if you gave Hanscom and Head 120 tests at it, Head's probably going to come out. With, as the better player overall. Yeah. But as it looks right now, Hanscom is probably the better player to play in slow spinning conditions because Hanscom has, a, again, a track record where he's 
looked like that he's had the technique to to withstand long periods of facing you know tough spin bowling. He's shown mm-hmm. it before. So we're not saying that Peter Hanscom is a better player than Travis Head, but it might be the better player for this particular job. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's something that we need to... We need to be certainly looking at that because that position is going to be key. Now, my only thing is that they may be prepared to give Head and another go in these type of conditions because he's rolling out some off spinners. Yeah. Um, we especially can't take we... him into it. We can't take him there hoping that he's also going to give us a few wickets. Any wickets we get out of Travis Head when he has a ball are just an absolute bonus. I mean, Jason Holder would be absolutely kicking himself about that ball he got out to the other day. <laughs> it should have ended up about 25 rows back over cover, which is about where he wanted to hit it. <laughs> They're going on a, a, a tweet. That did, it went straight. It, he was hoping it was going to spin on in the middle of his bat. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can't take Travis Head there as no. your respect. You, you, you've got Marnus, you've got Smith. They're, yeah. they're your batsmen that can roll you, you, out, roll a you out a few, but you've, no. Head's not an all rounder. No. And you don't take Head because he can bowl no. a bit. You and take Head, you, he's, a, he's batting at five, you're taking Head because he's going to score your runs. Yes. The fact that he can, you know, he gives you a bowling option shouldn't come into it. It needs to be, can he do job A? Because like you've got you've got Marnus, you've got Smith, and then you'll have your bowling attack to do that. So no. it should come down to which batsman will give us runs. Runs. And then if we needed desperately to find more overs, you know that Marnus will be there, you know that Smith will be there, and they can roll you out a few leggies. Yeah, if you're that desperate, for... I actually think Marnus's type of leggies over in India may be of some benefit because he bowls very quick. He's very quick through the air, and he does turn it. So I mean, if you're desperate for four or five overs out of somebody, give it to Marnus. Give it to Smithy. There's going to be options. I mean, the, the squad, the the team I'm sort of looking at that we're going to take to India is going to have three spinners in it, yeah. and Agar's going to be one of them. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the the. Todd Murphy is becoming a very interesting. Oh my God! Did you see his performance if, today? If Todd, Mur- if Nathan Lyon retires tomorrow, Todd Murphy is yeah. is their lead spinner. Yeah. It's just it just is. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Mark, who we've had on the show a few times. Um, yeah. um, that I think the guy just looks like yeah. Graham Swan. Yeah, just the way that yeah. just his the action, one, yeah. the way he bowls the ball, where he releases the ball, he just reminds me so much of Graham yeah. Swan. There's, Graham a, Swan there's a, a lot to like about this guy, and we've been onto him from the first time. Like we had actually sat here and googled him. Yeah, we like. We've picked Todd Murphy in the Australian. Yeah. Who the hell is Who's that guy? That? Yeah, so um, we're following his career very closely and his performances this year in first yeah. class. And he's come on so strong. Like, I think he's one of those guys who they gave him a sniff and he's gone, yeah, I really like the smell of this. I want some more. Yeah. And, and he's and like he had, it was interesting, they had Vittori as, as the spin bowling coach. Yeah, what a great bowler to learn from when you want to learn about the guile of flight. Mm. Vittori is one of the great flight bowlers in history. Yeah, so, Todd, Todd Murphy, one hundred percent. The only re- the only way that he doesn't play in the eleven for mine is that we've decided we don't need two off spinners. Yeah. We need variety. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Todd Mur- Tom Murphy will be the next lead Australian spinner. Yeah, I think so. If he continues on his trajectory, because it's, it's he, a trajectory he, like a skyrocket. His job at the moment is to stay healthy and wait for Nathan Lyon to retire. Yeah. That's that's it. Keep keep take stay healthy, take wickets. I was, I was actually Thomas. watching some of him on KO the other day. He, it's Graham Swan incarnate, or even down to the follow through. You know, yeah, it's Swan just such a that, real yeah, Swan action. It yeah, is. and it's, it, there's nothing that really goes wrong with it. He's got curve. Um, it, it, the ball dips and it spins hard. 
he's, you can see he's given a real rip. So um, that's very encouraging to see a guy like him coming through. Um, so back to the Australian West Indies series. So, uh, yeah, obviously we come away with a really big victory there. Um, I feel that Jaden Seals may miss out on the next one because I thought he was very underwhelming and was didn't really get much of a bowl in the second innings. Yeah. I think they might go to... Well, there seems to be a few injury concerns there. Like apparently, Kemar Roach has pulled up pretty sore oh, as well. Oh, they might not. They, so, they, I mean, they, they, may, drop they may be having some... They've got uh, Anderson Phillip in the squad, but he's about the only backup quick that I can see. Out he's out a of relatively impressive... Um, Player as well. He's yeah. had a fairly good, uh, fairly good record domestically. Yeah. Uh, on the Australian front, I would have liked to have a conversation about some conjecture because, um, you know, there's we brought, you know, Pat Cummins obviously was under a bit of an injury cloud, didn't bowl at all in the second innings, looked very ginger on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Boland is obviously sitting on the bench. We brought in um, Michael Nisa and Lance Morris. I was loving to you know, have a back and forth between you and Glenn and talk about uh, who was going to get in and why and what did we think. But uh, um, all this this whole organised Australian yeah, set up rather than order. rather than revealing the eleven at the toss, they actually came out and announced it ahead of time. It was just ruining all that because we mm. know now that Cummins is a missing the test because yeah. he hasn't pulled up. B Steve Smith will captain the side because he's the vice captain, and Scott Boland will get uh, add another cap to his already credentialed career, and he will bowl again at Adelaide. So, yeah, yeah um, it's interesting, isn't it that there's a very much a distinct pecking order now like that, and they don't seem to want to pull people out of the chain. That's why I was interested when I, I think I, when I seen it, I messaged you and Lance Morris. I mean, I think it's really just to give him a sniff. Yeah, get him in there, have a look at him. And, yeah, and, and have him around the group and, and so, you know, get him to, you know, bowling in the nets and stuff like that. My only fear is that if you let him get loose in the nets, he doesn't hurt someone. Oh, yeah. Because apparently his Western Australian teammates aren't all that keen on facing him. He's um he's going to be an exciting. He's he's the leading shield wicket taker this yeah. year. He has been really really good. Yeah. Um, I was what twenty five wickets at nineteen. Yeah. Uh, he's not far away. Um, no. if, if a Mitchell Stark goes down, I think because um, yeah. I think well, Star, he, if they he's the one that would be most likely to take Stark's place. I've, I'm imagine if you lost Hazelwood or Cummins as we've seen. You've got guys there in the. In the mix, in the pecking order, who'll come in? Yeah, you bottoms, your nieces, and things like that. If you're like going to have an, a left field selection and be with Stark going out, because he's the quickest of the Australian bowlers, and throw Lance Morris the ball mm. and see, and just say, mate, go out and bowl fast. I did like I'm with you. I didn't think Lance Morris was in any danger of getting picked in the final eleven, but it was a chance to have a look at him. I'm. I'm disappointed. I understand why they went Bolland. He certainly deserves to, the the reselection. But as we everyone who's listened to a long time, you know, we're big fans of Michael Nisa here, and I thought we he love was, Michael Nisa. And and uh, he's got quite a, a back catalogue of work in the Sheffield Shield. He's oh. been tailing around the Australian yeah. cricket team for the last what three four years now. Um, I was and, actually interesting. It was just a little sideline because you know, as you guys are probably aware, we read pretty much anything that's got the word cricket in it. And um, I get news articles from all over the world on my news feed. And there was one that from Victoria, I think it was. It might have been The Age or, or something like that. And I was saying how disappointing Michael Neese has been this year in Shield Cricket. And, really? Michael He's Neese. had one average game. And apart from that, he had about 24 wickets at about 14 or something. Yeah. It's absurd. Him and Mark Steckerty have been ripping the... And Lance Morris have been ripping the competition apart. 
So yeah, just you know, do journalists actually ever like do research anymore? Propaganda. So Michael Nisa has played five matches. 24 uh, wickets at 14 and a half <laughs> with a strike rate of 38. Yeah, that, that's not a bad, bad season. And that's sharing wickets with Mark Steckity from Queensland, who has 25 wickets at 15.2. Yes. Nisa has two five wicket hauls and one four wicket haul. And Lance, hasn't Nisa got 100 as well? Uh, I don't know if he's got 100 this year. He, but he's I got, know he got runs. He got he's got some runs. Yeah. Um, Lance Morris also has played five games. 27 wickets at 18 with a strike rate of 33. So he's a leading A wicket. strike rate of 33, folks. That's a wicket every five and a half overs. <laughs> um, yeah, so any any assertion that um, yeah, that, that Michael Neese is having a poor year is un, uneducated <coughs> at some, best. Well, I'm going to see if I can find it because I just found it totally outrageous and I can't believe it didn't tag you in it, so you'd have a record of it. <laughs> Uh, Scott Boland, for example, has three played three matches this year, has 10 wickets at 25 or 24 with a strike rate of nearly 60. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire. And that's the thing. Like Scott Boland's performances in the Ashes were incredible and certainly deserves to have put himself up at the, the, the next guy up. That's what you do. Yeah. He got given an opportunity uh, and he took it with both hands and yeah. was only let it go because, well, the... The, Hum- the Cummins Hazelwood Stark combination has served us so well, yeah. and then the next tests were in subcontinent conditions where he was never really going to be a factor. So I've got absolutely no issues with the fact they've picked Bolland, but just it was disappointing that you know that Nisa has been right the next guy up for so long, got his crack at um, yeah. at Adelaide, didn't do anything wrong, no. uh, took a couple of wickets, played really well, scored some. I think he bought, he batted at three in that game, didn't he? And scored yeah, a in stack. The, no, he, he batted at eight in the first innings and got some runs, and then they sent him out at three in the second innings and, and just, he, yeah, just have a bit of a swing. Yeah, and um, and he did scored some runs. And then found himself out of the side for the MCG, and they gave the home debut to to, to Scott Bolland, and yeah. the rest is history. But I thought in swinging conditions in Adelaide, and um, Nisa is a genuine swing bowler, and Bolland isn't. I thought yeah. that there was a chance that Nisa could have uh, could have you know, snuck in and gotten the nod. Well, I, I do think that <coughs> Bolland is going to be incredible. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're, the wicket plays like that with the pink ball. You saw what Hazelwood did against the Indians with the pink ball, and yeah. Boland replicates that. There's absolutely no reason why he can't continue this uh, this amazing tear that he's yeah. been on. So uh, great for him to get uh, back into the side. But uh, just a level of uh, yeah. just a little bit of disappointment that, um, yes. that Nisa missed out. Well, hopefully it's your turn again soon, Michael. Yeah. There's, uh, an, hate for him there's, to be, there's an Ashes tour coming up. Really hate for him to be one of those one-test Yeah, he doesn't deserve to be a one-test one he certainly does now. There's a long list of plays that you could attribute that to. So, yeah, so the test kicks off uh, tomorrow as we're recording this, so we'll uh, be very excited to get into that because we do love a pink ball test. Australia's yet to be defeated at a pink ball test. Yeah. Um, and the West Indian bowlers need to they need to be better because that, that's supposed to be the string to their bow. Like, it was a surprise their batting held up as well as it did. Can it do it again? Can it do it again? Swinging conditions are going to be the issue for them. I think it's easier to play the ball when it's moving around off the seam because it does one thing. You know, I mean, if you've got a swinging ball, a swinging ball quite often will do two things. It'll swing and And it'll keep going or it'll swing and it'll seam back at you, Um, depending on what type of swing bowler you are. In-swingers don't normally seam the ball away. They'll just hold their line. 
that's really awkward to deal with. Whereas when the ball's seeming, you know, it's going to cut back at me or it's going to lead me off that particular part of the wicket. So um, I think they're going to be quite vulnerable. Yeah, I think too. I think, yeah, it'll be, again, no changes to our bets that it's going to be a 2-0 series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, their bowlers, West Indies bowlers have really got to step up. Like, they really let the side down. Uh, just yeah. lack of consistency, lack yeah. of effort, from oh, prolonged effort. Um, a lack of imagination. Yeah, and hopefully Brathwaite has a bit of think about what he was doing as well. Because yeah. the, the captain sets sets the standard, obviously. And like I said, I've watched most of that test match. And from base, when I just can't agree with this idea that you set fields for bad bowling. If he's bowling bad, take him off and put someone else on. Yeah. And if... Um... If Roston Chase bowls the most overs out of the West Indian bowlers again, yeah. then yeah, there's a serious problem there. Taking the piss. While this has been played, the uh, the Poms went over for their first trip to Pakistan in quite a while at the Rural Pindi pitch and. Uh, well, what a test match is all you can say, I suppose. An extraordinary game. Um, Basball was in absolute full effect. It was just mind-boggling to try and yeah. keep up with it all. 506 I, runs in a day. I had to, because obviously I was watching like our, our game, and because over there it started at 4 p.m., I think it was. And it was about, I, was, I think it was tea time here. And I kind of flipped it over and it was... It was lunch and there were none for 172 off 22 overs yeah. and i'm looking at it and like sometimes i do need to wear glasses so i went and got my glasses and put it on and it just stood out in even bolder letters none for 172 off 22 overs absolutely staggering so there was four centurions and uh, the slowest centurion went at a strike rate of ninety-seven. And he only he only slowed down as he was getting to his hundred. Ben Duffett was going well over a run of ball for most of his innings, Is and that... he just kind of I think he, he just wanted to make sure of it. He didn't look, look nervous or anything, but he, he just kind of decided to pull back a couple of shots. He was extraordinary. Um, him and Harry Brook. Uh, yeah, so... So, Zach Crawley... Um, is, there, is there any way... Look, I think with Zach Crawley, you, get, you know what you get with Zach Crawley. He happened to have one of his on days. He was brilliant. He, some of his back foot shots and those cover drives, I mean, you see why people rave about him as a batsman. Is he ever going to be a 40 average batsman in Test cricket? I'm not sure he is. I don't think he's got the consistency in his game. I don't think he has the, the, the right mindset to be a top-class opener because, let's face it, they're, they're pretty bloody-minded people. Um, I see him, could see him as a free-flowing number three, but I think Ollie Pope's kind of... Hasn't he just transformed himself? 100, 108 off 104 at three. He has made a home there. Oh, my word. And out of all the innings, like Harry Brook, to me, was the most impressive just for the range of shot, the power... And the and the control and the and just basically how he controlled his innings, Ollie Pope controlled controlled the partnership that he was in with um with Brook. It was just extraordinary. And when when Joe Root got out, as Joe Root got out, and I mean 
he'd be kicking himself. <laughs> yeah, how often do you see England put on a decent score at all and Joe Root has got out for less than 30? Yeah. Um, and we'd, we'd probably be a little bit disappointed with how we got out too. So, so just just for some numbers, Olive Hope's overall record at the moment is a bit about thirty-two now. I would yeah, guess fifty-five innings, three hundreds, nine fifties, a batting average of thirty-two. Yeah. Uh, batting at three, he had fifteen innings, two hundreds, three fifties, Five hundred runs at forty-one at a strike rate of seventy-one. Yeah. So it's uh, you know, you're not talking, you know, Bradman or you know, no. even Smith so we'll or have Ponting a, or anything like that. But think about who we're talking about—the guy who was so demoralised and shattered yeah. during the last Ashes tour. It didn't look like he was probably going to play Test cricket again. But, ten, he's ten runs average better off yeah. at, a, at twenty balls. Per hundred, yeah. like twenty runs per hundred balls, and better really, than three. and really looks now. I mean, our biggest criticism of him was that he's just all over the place. I mean, the control that he's showing in his innings now, batting at number three, and he's. And I get the sense this is what they were always raving about with him—a guy who averages sixty in first-class cricket, um, but couldn't bring it to the Test arena. This we're starting to get a good glimpse of that guy who averages sixty in first-class cricket. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell that. Like we could always tell that he was a special player. Yeah. He just couldn't put it together, and yeah. now uh, it's even more. I reckon almost as impressive as as Basball itself is the transformation that uh, that Stokes and McCullum have had on Ollie on Ollie Pope, and they've really yeah. seemed to unlock yeah. Ollie Pope. And he's exactly the player that Joe Root needs. Like Joe yeah. Root is going to bat. Joe Root is going to be Joe Root. He's going to be the guy that yeah. is your talismanic batsman of the middle order. He's going to score hundreds for fun, like he's been doing. Yeah. But he's just been doing it on his own. And Ollie Pope seems to be that guy that yeah. can to, can go along with him. Yeah, I'm yet to be convinced that, like I said, that Crawley is a top class opener. Ben, oh, so much want him to be. Like yeah. he's so good to watch when he he's bats. A, he's just a wonderful player to watch. Some of those cover drives and what impresses me is he's got both feet. Okay, you get full to him, he smashes you through the covers or clips you through mid on, but then you drop short or he plays the full shot well and he's just yeah, a, a, it, a really it should all be there. Cutter. It's almost like Martin Guptill a little bit. You look at Martin yeah. Guptill bat and you're like, how is this guy not better at Test cricket? Yeah. Um, you just can't see what... Oh, look, with Martin Guptill, I think it's just a, a lack of defence, really. Mm. I mean, he's, his game's ideally suited for the structure, but, you know, you get found out on a, on a first day green wicket with the ball nipping around a little bit. Um, in reply, so they uh, England charged on to a gargantuan six, <laughs> 657 of 101 overs. Yeah, that, that's So six and a half thing. and over in Test cricket for 100 overs is ridiculous. Yeah, and they slowed down at the end. Zahid Mahmood was four for 235 of 33 overs. Seven and a half, seven and over seven runs and over for 30 overs and yeah. just. One's got to wonder what's going on, <laughs> why Barbara Razam hasn't gone to anyone else if he's going at seven and over. Because, but, um, quite frankly, if you had a look at that first innings Pakistan bowling performance, it was a disgrace. It was an absolute shambles. I mean, I know that they were down on, on cattle. They probably had, you know, they had a couple of debutants there, um, which caused a bit of controversy over in Pakistan, apparently, because Zahid was... There's another guy over there who was taking wickets for fun as a leg spinner, but Zah, because Zahid was in the squad, they decided to play him rather than giving this other guy the call-up. And Zahid averages 37 in first-class cricket. So just because he's in the squad, you know... 
again, well, but that, 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 that's the machinations of Pakistani cricket for you, you know. They have, they have their had, way of doing things. He had 44 things. overs in this test match, and they all went over seven runs and over. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, over the and both innings. Harry, Harry Brooks set two records against him. He hit six, six, six fours in an over, and then he took 27 off an over. Wow. Okay, so there's 51 of 12 balls off one batsman. Yeah, Brook was something else. Wasn't he was it? 153 in, off 116 balls. He was just, amazing. Um, so some some guys we've seen out in the 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 Big Bash debut for England as well. So Liam Livingston got his debut, and Will Jacks also played. Uh, Will Jacks ended up with a, a six star on yeah. debut, going which, four and over. When considering we, the the wicket that they had yeah. prepared, which was an absolute freeway. I just think I just think that that says the fact that Will Jacks got those six wickets. You know, you may he may be good for a couple. He had a couple absolutely handed to him on a plate by poor batsmanship in the Pakistan innings. Um, they brought the, they brought this on themselves, the Pakistanis, and that's not taken credit away from England because they they made all the running in the game. They played attacking, aggressive cricket and were rewarded in the end. But Pakistan brought this on themselves with some of the shots that their middle order and lower order batsmen played to guys. Will Jacks is not a six wicket test bowler, mate. He nah. bowled he barely bowled two hundred overs in first class cricket, and half of those were in this test match. As a, as a Pakistani on your home wicket, you can't be giving your wicket away to guys like him. Pakistan, by, by, in, by rights, should have passed England's total. They were set up to do so. Oh, yeah. Well, you look at that. Uh, Abdullah Shafiq, another 100, 140. He, he, makes, hundred. he makes hundreds of fun, Shafiq, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he has a, just a ridiculous record at the moment. Mm. Um, don't know if it's going to come up. Uh, over 60. Yeah. He'd be averaging now 65, probably yeah. a little higher. Um, Imam Al Haq had 121. Babar Azam had another 100, and just uh, yeah, just there's a lot of starts that um, didn't yeah. go their way. Yeah. And then I think you got to really, as much as we hate to do it, really back England here. England came out with a bit of a lead. They pushed hard. Zach Crawley got another 50. Yeah. Um, Joe Root got a better than a runnable uh, 73. Harry Brook went uh, uh, 87 off 65. Will Jacks came out and scored a real quick 24. Got themselves a seven for two six four off thirty five overs and set up a very sporting declaration as we were talking about at the top, and then um, and then came and did the job and you know it's one of the guys that we really hate giving a lot of credit to but James Anderson came out and did it in the fourth innings on an yeah. absolute like it's not the way around it was an absolute road like it was it was, a, it, it was a disgraceful wicket for a test man when, when roads grow up they look at pictures of that going I hope I grow up to be a road just like that one nice yeah. and flat and yes. like it was no bumps in it oh. no scuffs no nothing and he got four for 36 off 24 overs in the fourth innings and and, and got England to an incredible victory. Yeah, just the, a well, a well-deserved victory. At, at the end, end of day one, I was like, "There is, there's no way there is a result here." Especially when um, Pakistan ended up what well, they were all out for five eighty. Yeah. So you've had eleven hundred runs scored in the first, in the first two, like the first two innings. You're just like, "Well, that's going to be a boring yeah. as batshit draw." That's next, and then yeah. just yeah. 
England England deserve a lot of credit. Ben Stokes deserves a lot of credit. He made a lot of he made the running in this because he and the interesting thing is he never made any secret of what his intentions were. This is what he wanted. He wanted to get it into a dog fight on the last day where his bowlers on a wearing wicket could hopefully chip away enough to get to the vulnerable Pakistani tail. Because I'm sorry, but Nasim Shah is not a, a test number eight. You know, they were... They oh, were, yeah, they've got a long time. They were basically six out, all out, and that's and that's just poor selection. You're telling me you don't have a, a, another guy who can bat a little bit, bat, you know, who's a test-class bowler? Are they really that short on oh, well, cattle? To, to be fair, on that wicket, you could probably afford to just carry six batsmen, or well, six bats and then four bowlers, because... Your bat should have done the job. Like the yeah. wicket was wearing, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't unplayable. It was, there was nothing it, it, there it, really. It wasn't all out for two seventy. Like no. it, realistically, they should have chased that target down. Yeah, you're looking at that, especially when the, there was um, Imam Al Haq and as I was Imam Al Haq and I think it was Saeed Shahil yeah. sort of got together, had a bit of a partnership, and Muhammad Rizwan joined in up on the back of that. They're like they're going to get this, and then yeah. they just kept getting starts and getting out. But uh, what I thought was really impressive was the fact that uh, Ollie Robinson, Ben Stokes, and James Anderson all bowled over twenty overs in that in that fourth innings, and their yeah. spinners didn't do a great deal. So they, yeah. um, you know, they understood very early that what, what we I think struggled a little bit to figure out in our games over there that it was because it was, just because it was a subcontinent doesn't mean that it was a spinning wicket. Yeah. The ball wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Um, oh, spin, bounce, turn, seam, anything like that. And they found a way to make their bowlers who we like to sort of point and giggle a bit and go, well, these guys, like Ollie Robinson and James Anderson, you wouldn't expect those guys to go over to yeah. Pakistan of all and places actually, and have success. And they both got, they ended up with eight for in that. Well, the thing is about both things. of them is they're accurate bowlers, and that's what you really needed to be. And that's where Pakistan let themselves down in, in you kind of put the English second innings to one side. Their effort in the first innings, and you want to remember, they only bowled 75 overs on that first day. Yeah. 75 overs because of the light and everything that goes on over there. They were a disgrace. They were absolutely appalling. And just from that point of view, they probably didn't deserve to, to be in the Test match at all. The fact that they stayed in the Test match and probably had a chance to win it at the end was down to if Ben Stokes had his like wanted to make sure that he yeah. couldn't lose, yeah. batted well into day, you know, the oh, first yeah. session of day five, yeah. and then just see what happens. But yeah. uh, he, he was ballsy and did yeah. the and did the right thing. Didn't support a declaration. Well, he, 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 he and made what, the punt that I need X amount of overs and X amount of time because the overs were always going to vary because of the light conditions. He needed X amount of time. So, the, so from this, I think the fact that Ben Stokes and England's bowlers have really saved Pakistan here, yeah. not in the sense, obviously, they've lost the game, but that that pitch should be given a poor rating. Oh, it should. It, they should almost, because what, that's two now, isn't it? Well, they, the they, one against they, us. It should have been poor against us, but I think that they went, oh, it's the first test match back, or well, one of the first test matches back for a while. Let's not be too mean to Pakistan. They gave them a below average, which was one demerit point. But it was the one against us was poor, just yeah. flat out poor, and they got away with a below average. This was poor. This was absolute rubbish um, wicket. Basball and a really sporting declaration from Stokes. And, and, then, some, and, then, and some wonderful and then, individual performances from England and, as well. And Pakistan capitulating has made it, or oh, well, it can't be a poor wicket. We had 36 wickets taken in this 
thing. So, but that's not conducive to the pitch. It was conducive to the way that the batsmen were going about it. They were throwing their wickets away at the end. Like it's it's a poor wicket, but because it's been such a phenomenal result, I don't feel that the rating for the wicket will truly reflect how bad it was because I'll get enamoured with the fact that there was a fantastic fourth innings yeah. bowling where they took ten wickets to win the day on the, on day five. But if they get the poor rating that they're supposed to, they've got four demerit points, and I can't remember the exact. I think it's four years. They get another demerit point in the next two years. They lose test match status. They, they lose international status. You can't yeah. play international games at Royal Pindi. Yeah. Like, and that that will hurt Pakistani cricket because that's one of their showpiece stadiums. Um, so. so, and I think, but I think, and to be that, fair, there weren't the crowds great there too. Oh, like for, they, know, they, they, they love the Pakistan fans deserve more than what their board is giving them. Yeah. And but I think that they're going to be saved by the fact that they did. England did such a phenomenal job in in rolling them in the fourth innings, then they'll probably get away with a below average, which is only two demerit points, which will then, you would hopefully... Gives them a see- bit more leeway. But, no, look, there seems to be a pattern here. I mean, even the even the the next wicket where they're going to, is it Multan? I I'm think they're sure. playing at Multan. I imagine it'll be very much... Apparently the last test match there was absolute rubbish as well, just a total run fest and no, and no wickets and stuff like that. You can't... We can't have... One part of the world that allows this to go on. And we are always critical of India in the way that they. Oh, the, the Ram, way- Ramesh Raja has come out and said that uh, they're a few years away from getting proper, excellent test match wickets again because they're, you know, they're, you know, they're new to it, they're coming back to it and all this sort of stuff. And I'm oh, just like, rubbish. It is rubbish because you go and look at their first class games over there, not a single game has been had over 400 uh, in their first class game. So they can put on. And put um, on wickets that actually that do uh, stuff. provide contests. And they've just, whatever now, I just reason. think they're scared. They're, for whatever reason, the Pakistani board is scared that if they bring these big teams over and they get whitewashed, that people are going to lose interest. I, no, I don't I've, think I've, that's I, not going to... I think it's the other way around. I think the Pakistani guys, have, uh, they're, playing, they're playing chess while we're all playing checkers. I think they're doing it deliberately because you're looking at that going, wow. Zach Crawley got 150 over there. I could certainly use the old batting stats, could use a little bit of padding. Hey, why don't I go to Pakistan in the winter? That'd be great, yeah? I'll open the batting. I'll come out and open. Yeah, I'm going to get this road. So you have a couple of years where all these teams are falling over each other to come and play in Pakistan (laughs) because their batsmen want to pad their averages. And then everyone goes, oh, actually, all of this stuff where Pakistan was scary is not too bad. That, that's fine, we're cool, and then they'll go, bam, and then all of a sudden the... There'll be spicy wickets spicy before wickets fast bowlers. Again, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, what that's just what they're doing. They're trying to lull these big teams in like, oh, yeah, could really do with a tour where I could open the batting and score a couple of pretty easy hundreds. It might be hot, but the ball doesn't do anything. Just stay out there, and I'll come away with a couple of big scores. I'll pad my, get my average from, like, the low 40s. Like, Kawaja averaged, like, 40.06 or whatever it was. Yeah. It came out of that Pakistan. Tour with an average of like forty seven. <laughs> to be fair, but he's maintained it since then too. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not saying it's the only reason, but you know what I mean. Like I think that's what they're doing. We'll put all these placid, just oh, we don't know, we don't remember how to make good wickets anymore. We'll learn. Just give mm-hmm. us a break. And you yeah, just keep like, on coming and bringing us the money. Just, just keep coming over. And these teams like, yeah, let's go to Pakistan. Let's go to Pakistan. I could mm-hmm. use some more hundreds to my career tally. Let's go. Come yeah. on, let's do it. And then, yeah. yeah. 
normalcy resumes. I yeah. think I think it's they're they're thinking fourth dimensionally. Yeah, it's very fourth dimensional. <laughs> I think that one. I don't. We're giving we're giving credit to cricket administrators. I think we. I think, <laughs> think I might have overthought this I, one. I think I think just the cricket mere administrators fact, yeah. tend to be some of the more stupid people that I've. Well, it's not so much they're stupid. It's just. They're stupid. Oh, well, our cricket administrators are a bit stupid. Well, it seems to be a common theme <laughs> around the world. The only ones who really, I mean, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't job, isn't it? I yeah. mean, for every wonder kid that you discover who goes on to play 100 tests, you're going to have your Scott Mullers, aren't you? Oh, I'm not too much concerned about selection, but just the way that they do things. Like yeah. ours, like we know we talked about it before, but what the hell are we doing playing England in a three-match, one-day series straight after the World Cup? Yeah. Like, England don't want to be there. The standard of cricket they put on was not indicative of the team that they are. They would, they were World Cup hungover. They wanted to go home or get ready for the Pakistan series. They couldn't care less. Mm. Why was that England? Why wasn't that someone There's like a There's contractual obligations, mate, and you need to understand what the priorities are in our oh, game. It, it was, you know, if, if Cricket Australia goes to Fox Sports and Channel 9 or Channel 7 going... We've got uh, the World Cup, and then after that, we've got um, three games scheduled against uh, the Netherlands. They're going to go, what? The Netherlands? Why? Get us someone better. Yeah. Like, I, it was, but yeah, from, from me, a pure cricketing perspective. Take it back to the kitchen. From a pure cricketing perspective, it made no sense to have England here. They didn't want to. The standard wasn't what we would expect out of the, you know, England being one of the best one-day teams in the world. If not the best one-day team in the world. Like, just give it to a team that just wants to be here, that's right. already here because we're host of the world. Yeah, yeah. And nothing's like, like actual watch it. We don't care. <laughs> you know, to be honest, probably some of the non-nuffies would have given it a go because they just want to see who these guys are. Like, exactly. So um, a bit of novelty factor never hurt. But yeah, so, yeah, a phenomenal test. Like, there's no way around it. It was a garbage, garbage wicket. Um, and, you know, you could say that what England are doing very much flies in the faces of traditional test match cricket, but there's no two ways around it. Um, that game was incredible. It yeah. was an incredible game, the, the way it unfolded. It would have been very difficult to watch as a test match purist for, for very long periods oh, of that was. game. It was. But, um, <laughs> it was. But there's no telling that the way that they they manufactured the result to be what it was is um, it, it's going to go up there, which is, again, it's going to go up there as one of the best tests results ever. Yeah. I'm not going to go out there and say it's the best because it's, it happened last week and that's just not where we do things. But it will be. We're talking about one of the greatest test matches ever played. It would be a top 20 test match mm-hmm. ever. Absolutely no doubt. Oh, I've got no problem. Probably, got no probably problem. top, probably top ten. Yeah, and it's a top ten game, and out of spite, it was a top ten game because it had absolutely no business being an exciting, like riveting it. game. So, and that's I think you've got to take some credit there for um, for Stokes and McCullum is that had absolutely no business being an entertaining spectacle, and had absolutely no business being a storybook, had absolutely no business being anything of note, and they. Made it one. Pakistan had no interest in making it one. Stokes and McCullum and the rest of England oh, Pakistan turned, got turned dragged, up. kicking and screaming into the contest. Yeah. They had no after their first innings. They had no interest at all in this being a, in being a yeah. contest. They, they yeah, and there's and so credit to them. And I think what's that seven from eight now for Stokes. Yeah. So it's just not a bad start to his captaincy career. Yeah. Um. So yeah, well done to them, and hopefully there's a little more parity between bat and ball in the coming tests. But uh, 
which starts on Friday. They're I, actually one day behind us I, in, in their schedule. I don't think that we'll get that. I think it'll be very much similar to what we faced over there. So, um, well, we should see a lot more runs than maybe a big a big collapse at the end. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if Pakistan has got a way to uh, to curb I'll be all these runs. I'll be interested to see what the Pakistani bowling lineup looks like because they have a lot of them. I think only the Zoom would be the only one I'd pick again. Uh, Harris Ralph has got a, a lot to offer, but I just don't know if he's quite seasoned enough. To, yeah. to, uh, if, he, you, if you, you take was, him to somewhere like England or you take him to South Africa where he's going to get some... Some use out of his pace. But for, like, I just don't necessarily know where like, you're going to go and bowl 25 overs and nothing will happen except you're going to get to the boundary. I just don't think that yeah, that's that, the right bowl to take. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Cool. Well, right after this, we'll get talking about uh, the Big Bash as it is literally on our doorstep. We're only uh, you know, a couple of days to go, so all that coming up. Go on, straight down the throat of first slip. The Big Bash is right around the corner. As I'm recording this, it is five days, 21 hours, 50 minutes and 45 seconds until the first game starts. So yes. I'm taking that off my uh, Supercoach app, which has a countdown to the start of round one. So very, very exciting. Uh, we're going to get back that back. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, the Big Bash has always suffered from fatigue at the end of it, from yeah. just the... the too the lo- many games and, and too, uh, too crowded a schedule, I think, at And uh, the Australian public has been bombarded with cricket over this summer. We've had the World Cup. We've got the tests now. And now we're getting the big bash. So I think by the end of it, it could be very laborious and you could be hearing a lot of criticism about the length of the tournament. Um, Which is something that really, I mean... It's a legitimate argument, yeah, but I think it's going to be, be magnified by yeah. the fact there's been so much cricket. Yeah. Uh, so the first game will be Tuesday, the 13th of December, starting in Canberra between the Sydney Thunder and the Melbourne Stars. So all eyes will be fixed there for that. Very, very excited. I think one thing that frustrates me a little bit about this is as we're talking about why it's just so weird how like how inept sometimes it is. Why are we starting a big tournament on a Tuesday night? Because I, I can tell you the reason why is because it is the day after the test match finishes, so there's no other cricket on. So bam, we'll put it in. Just wait a few days and put it on a Friday night exactly. or a Saturday and have like a double header on a Saturday or something, you know, an afternoon game and an evening game. It's just there are better ways to go about doing it uh-huh. um whoever does the marketing and the strategy for the big bash really needs to be dragged the strategy the, the big bash, a stern talking to the strategy for the big bash is just like the what is the eight the, the i can't remember i've had a complete mental blank the the movie about the baseball field in the oh field of dreams field of dreams yeah, you build, build, it, they build, will build come. it they'll come put it on they will come that is no, the they won't. that's the strategy they've got it's not working just put it on they'll come <laughs> like that's it that's the whole plan um and the big bash is facing a very uphill battle this year i mean we've had the draft uh which so what a fiasco that was Number one pick, Liam Livingston, not playing in the tournament. Rashid Khan ended up being, what, the number three pick, only Uh playing part of the tournament. Uh, Shadab Khan is not playing the whole tournament. Uh, Laurie Evans was the first pick of the... A drug uh, treat, apparently. ...of the Scorchers. He's not playing. David Willey has dropped out. Yeah. Um, so there's just there's people fair, that's they, dropping out left, right and centre. They have, have picked up um, Andre Russell. Yeah, um, and then they picked up Martin Guptill after yeah. Russell's first. And, and he's Fat Duplessis as well. He's come over for the first half of the tournament to replace um, uh, Laurie Evans as yeah. well. 
but it's just, and then you've got to the fact that you now have Mitch Marsh and Glenn Maxwell, who would have been big names that aren't going to be taking part in the tournament because they're injured. And then you've got more drama with Steve Smith. As I understand it, and feel free to correct me out there if I've got this wrong as I'm paraphrasing very much, is Steve Smith wanted to play last year for basically no money. There was It was not a sizable contract. They told him to get stuffed, you can't play, you whatever, pulled out whatever technicality needed to pull out to say that Smith was ineligible. So now Smith wants the same sort of contract that they offered David Warner, which was above the award because yeah. he's such a big name player. A marquee. A marquee contract, player. Yeah. And uh, they're not prepared to offer that to Steve Smith. So Steve Smith's, you know, he's he's like, well, screw you. Screw you. I, <laughs> I wanted to play for nothing last year and he wouldn't let me. So now this is what I want to have if you guys wanted me to play. And they're, they're dragging their feet. And, like, it's just it's not rocket science. The, the, the Big Bash is a league that is in a – uh, a fairly separate part of the world when you consider where all the big powers of cricket are. Mm-hmm. It is on at an inconvenient time of the year where people might want to be home with their families and all that sort of stuff. It is on during a time where Indian-backed alternatives are being played in the uh, the South African one and the UAE one. It is a tournament that has gone on too long and people have been telling you that it has been going on for too long for years you have had several marquee players unavailable through to injury. The test players are unavailable through the beginning of the tournament. It's really simple. If Steve Smith wants to play, just sign the check to get him to play. You do not have the liberty to stand on principle and um and ah and stuff around. But what's the, where's the, the standard on principle anyway? The writing is on the wall. Is the, the Big Bash is getting harder to put on, not easier, because these big-dollar Indian tournaments, the, you know, that are, they're going to only get bigger and better. They're only going to get bigger and better. You already have a, a significant disadvantage in offering competitive contracts. Almost none of your imports are going to be playing the whole tournament. They're going to off, and not off for national duties. They're going off to play other tournaments, not to mention the ones that are going to be missing through national duties. Yeah. You don't have the luxury of being sitting there and thinking that you're arrogant enough to do whatever you want. You simply don't. You just need to be doing whatever it can be to put bums in seats, be that in the stadium or on the lounge. And if Steve Smith is a man that will get people to sit down and watch. And he is. And he is. Find a way to make it happen. It's as simple as that. Just get out of your own way because that's all the Big Bash board seems to be good for is getting in its own way. Yeah. And, and it's a tournament, honestly, that will not survive in the current set, set, setup that it has for more than... If they keep going like this, I can't see the Big Bash being a viable product in five years' time. I can't see it being viable in two years' time because in five years' time, you're going to have multiple T20 leagues running at the same time around the world. Not to mention the United States one that yeah. you know they're going to be burying money into. Oh, they yeah. have to bury money into we're, it. We're very excited about Major League Cricket, guys. The, the, the risk-reward there, if you can make Major League Cricket work and tap that American sporting market, is yeah. so much money. <laughs> it is literally striking, like striking oil in those old Western ones. If you yeah. manage to make that work... The money that they're going to make is ridiculous. The add up the hundred, the PSL, the the Sri Lankan one, the all the international cricket they're trying to play, the the IPL, 
um, the UAE one, the South African one, there's the, the, cat, the year is getting shorter and shorter with lots of lots of money to go around. And the fact that we're not involved in any of that money, the, the Big Bash keeps going the way it is, it will not survive the way it is. And the, the sooner that these guys figure out that they can't have the arrogance of Cricket Australia from the 70s, where all England from the 70s, they're, they're not the big fish. The BBL is not a big fish no. by any stretch of the imagination, no. but they keep walking around thinking that they are. It's, um, they're going to do themselves out of a job, quite frankly. That's what they're doing is they're doing themselves out of a job by not giving the people what they want. And what we want to see is the best players in in competitive teams, in competitive games for a short period of time to fill in some a gap, I, I, I would it's ra- got. To, we can't be. Christmas time is not the time to be playing this. It's ridiculous. Nobody wants to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I'm going to watch it because I'm in Super Coach. But you know, if I've got other stuff to watch, I'm more than likely. The thing I'll is, flick on the big bash and flick it off because I, there's, I, not, there's I, not the, the passion. I've, I've talked about this a lot before. Is you know. I gather that you're like me, where your your partner and your other family probably don't appreciate having the TV locked into cricket. No, no. Over the holiday period no. when the tests are on, no. so they, they'd much rather be doing something else. But they let you do it because cricket's your thing. But yeah. you you know that you can't really push that envelope. You're or they they in their eyes they're doing you a favour by letting oh, you watch cricket. So, and I think that's a way that's going to be a, the same way for for a lot of cricket fans. That their their significant others probably aren't as interested in cricket as they are, and they just get annoyed because it starts at you know ten o'clock in the morning and it'll run through till six o'clock at night. And then you're going to turn around and you say to the missus who you know you've ignored for most of the holiday period because the uh, <laughs> because the big from the, the Boxing Day tests on, so they want to go out and see the family and do stuff. I do this. Is there going to be a TV there? No, we're going to go to the park. Okay, you go to the park. I'm going to watch cricket. Um, that's that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, uh, like um, and then you're going to turn around and go. Well, you know how I've been sitting down since ten o'clock in the morning watching cricket, and you've only spoken to me for forty minutes at lunch and twenty minutes at tea, and other than that, I've ignored everything you said. Yes. Well, they're going to have a break for the news, and then once the news finishes, there's going to be a T20 double header starting. So um, I'll talk to you later. This doesn't work. Like, <laughs> there's cricket fatigue. There's only so much cricket you can get away with. Yeah. When you've got cricket on at 10 o'clock in the morning that potentially goes till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. It just. Oh, I know, because I just had that phenomenon in my house last <laughs> week. It just. It. 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 Uh, like, the amount of times that I got eye rolled during the World Cup going, it's on again. It's a World <laughs> Cup. It is. It's going to be on for the next at two least, weeks. At least your wife doesn't ask you who's winning on the first day of the test match. She used to, but she now, she now only does it um, just to be funny because yeah. she knows it annoys me. Yeah. But I think that's going to be the way a lot of things. You've got lots of people tuning in to watch the test matches that then are going to then go, oh, Oh, well, I'm not going to get away with watching the big bash as well. So then they'll go and watch cricket during the day and ignore it at night. So you're right. It should be a separate part of the year. And and it's not. And it just it is. It's just almost arrogance that they think that they know better. And it's... No, they don't. And they've been proven over a period of time to not know better. And imports, imports have said, oh, I don't really, like, the Big Bash is difficult because the season is so long. And it doesn't work for us. And it doesn't work for us. So, yeah, it's, no. it'd be interesting to see if they, <laughs> because obviously this will be one of the first years where those pressures are 
actually realise there's no longer a hypothetical pressure. The pressures of having players poach to play in rival tournaments is now going to be a reality and just see, you know, if they think they're going to be able to ride this wave and get through it, they'll figure out by the end of this season that they no, can't. They can't. So what steps are they going to take in the next year or two to, to make changes? Yeah. Um, but as you said, we'll move on to that, to the fun stuff that we love to talk about for the Big Bash, or at least I love to talk about for the Big Bash. And hopefully for the next Big Bash, you will be like me and just be talking this nonstop. It's the super coach. So you said that you getting ready for round one. You've made some changes I to your have side. Ma- I have made some significant changes to my side. Um, focusing on, on the tips that I get from, from experienced super coach people like yourself, where you look to stack your team for a double round. Now, I've, I've got a little bit of a tweak to still make, but I, I made some overall changes to my squad. Um, I dropped James Vince out, for starters. Um, didn't think he was that great of value, and I brought in um, Daniel Sams as a batsman. Yep. Okay. Um, I dropped... the I can't even pronounce his name, but he plays for a Renegades, and he was a spinner. Anyway, I swapped him out for Naveed in the Hurricanes. Oh, not the Hurricanes, the Renegades, sorry. The the Sixers, the... Oh, the Sixers, sorry. Yeah, Naveed is the Sixers. Sorry, I don't have my glasses on, folks. And he's interesting. I think he could be a, a, a smoky. Because the Sixers used uh, one of their draft picks on him. So yeah. you'd imagine that they're going to they're use a draft pick and they're not going to use him. And he's yeah. real, real cheap. Yeah. Um, and I've got an eye on him to, to pick him up if he ends yeah. up getting a bit of a and, bit of a run. And, I mean, it's very hard. I mean, this is where I need to become a little bit more hard-nosed, but I, I brought in Hayden Kerr into my squad. Um, I think he's just a fantastic player, and I think as a, as a Super League coach, he's the sort of guy who brings you a lot of value. When, yeah, when he's, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a little bit like the, the, the Daniel Sams of that side. He's going to bat yeah. somewhere the lower – sort of. Yeah. I think in the lower sort of order, but with a, a license of, to go yeah. and get you some boundaries. Yeah, and then, get you a couple of wickets here and there, and um, I think he's a very good player. Yeah. So that was the main tweaks that I've made he, to my He's sport. got national honours written all over him. Like yeah. future national honours, it's not around the corner, but he's a guy that they could no. really look to to be – for a white ball national honours. Play- and the good thing about him is now he's, he's in the New South Wales squad. He's playing first-class cricket. Mm. Um, he hasn't set the world on fire yet. but um, He's not a he's not a game-in, game-out first-class cricketer, but no. he's, he's doing a bit of a job. Yeah. Um, Have you made any tweaks to your team? Um, I've, I can't remember what the last team I said. I've, I've tweaked it a little bit here and there. I've, I brought Aaron Hardy in after yeah. I heard the news that Mitch Marsh went down. So yeah. I'm thinking he's well, going to be... I never actually had Mitch Marsh because my oh, taste, I, he was too expensive. I wouldn't have, like, you wouldn't have Mitch Marsh for round one. No. But um, he would have been a guy that you'd look to bring in for round two because they had a double. But with him being gone, I see Aaron Hardy having a, a much bigger role. Yeah. So, and he's less than, he's 100, or no, so he's 99,000, which is, is yeah. considerably I'm cheap. I'm certainly, certainly considering putting him into my squad. Um, so he's a guy that I've got in there. I've got him in early as a. A, a loop option because he's on the buy and it'll save me a trade uh, next week yeah, or so next the, round. The Scorchers don't have a game in round one. No, so, so I've got him just sitting there to save me a trade yeah. for for round two. So, so that's something got... I need to work out too is who I have to have sitting there so I don't use up my – because you only get three trades a week, don't yeah. you? Three so trades be- a round. Because I've already got uh, a Scorcher in there, then I can concentrate on getting – Right. Other players of value for my trades and things like that. Maybe, maybe I've got three three trades for round two. I could spend two to get a scorcher in, and then maybe one to trade for a cheapie that looks yeah. really good. But if yeah, sort of, it just gives me some flexibility. Yeah. Um, I've got 
three, well, three lots of triplets for, I've got three Thunder, three Strikers, and three Stars to capitalise on the double rounds. So Sam's, Hales, and Russo for my Thunder, Lynn, Weatherald, Khan for my score, uh, for my Strikers, Bolt, Zampa, and Stoinis for my Stars. I um, just need to do a little bit of tweaking with mine, which I'll, I'll probably do over the next couple of days because... Quite frankly, I don't see that I'm going to have be doing very much else other than look at the, my face. The silver lining. Uh, for, those, for those who don't know, it looks like I might have done a cruciate ligament. Um, so my cricket season is looking like it may be over and my work life isn't particularly good either. So I sit on my bum all day at the gate. So I occasionally pull out and have a look at my super league team. Don't tell the boss. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a little bit of tweaking to do just yet to get that balance right. Um, I've got Because we're still in the unlimited trades period. So yeah. I, I'm going to obviously add a couple more strikers. And, and Rashid Khan, I mean, I think he's just – I don't – Rashid Khan will be in my team every week. As, as we get closer to the, um, the, the start of the season, more news will unfold on what the 11s are going to look like. So yeah. you'll be able to better – Differentiate. They might, you know, they might. The Sixers might completely just throw us a curveball, and they've just picked Naveed to sit on the bench for this year, knowing that they can then retain him next year, sort of thing. So you might go, okay, well, Naveed's not going to be there, so I can then change him out for a different, you know, and things like that might um, come up. Yeah, that'd be an interesting. That'd be an interesting waste a couple hundred thousand dollars, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, he was a bronze pick, so I'm not sure exactly how much that was, but. yeah, you know, if he if he turns out to have a really strong, you know, strong year this year yeah. and and ends up commanding big big dollars, um, the Sixers own his retention right, so it could yeah. be a way of uh, of doing that. But I, I certainly hope they give him a run. He looks like he's uh, he looks from, a good player. Looks like he could be a good player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's mine. I've you know got my eyes set forward for um, round. I think it's at round three. I've got some uh, heat players that um, I'm certainly looking at. Because um, they've got a double in that one. I think Max Bryant is going to be one that's really worth a look. Um, mm-hmm. Looking to see how they um, how they that, line up. Yeah, um, and we, he's had some really strong yeah, uh, but, one day. Cup I was just about to say he um, he blitzed them the other day in the March one day cup. We got like sixty odd off very few balls. Uh, Mark actually rates him as possibly being the buy of the. The, the tournament, he reckons he's going to be a real dark horse, be the leading run scorer for the Big Bash this year. Mm. Yeah, well, Mark does come out with some interesting predictions, but I mean, fairly well researched as well. I mean, it, the guy certainly has plenty of talent. The, the, the talent level has never been in question. It's just the consistency, you know, and the ability to turn those quick 20s and 30s into something a little bit more substantial. So, I mean... At, why not be the leading run scorer? Be your breakout year, probably get yourself a couple of first class games out of it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I certainly hope he's, he's looked for ages like he's just one step away from exploding and being a really good yeah. big bash player, and he's just always. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Mac Harvey from the Renegades falls into that thing as well. I, I can see him having a. I've got him in my squad. I think yeah, also, he's, he's a, another a one. A breakout year. He's, yeah, he's due for a breakout year. And Sam Harper as well. They're guys yeah. that have had a bit of a go and they've had a few decent knocks here or there, but yet to put together a consistent year. And the Renegades are, are looking like a team that's going to be struggling to get to the top of the ladder again. again. 
Um, so they're going to need some of these young guys that have been around for the dark times, been around for the, the bad periods to, yeah, to, start put, coming good. to put it together and start coming good. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, you have a look at their batting lineup too. It's pretty old. You've got Finch here, you've got Sean Marsh. Uh, they've just signed um, Pete Hanscom. Yeah. So, so guys like another... Fraser McGurk and and yeah. and Harper and, and Mackenzie Harvey. They need to start standing up. Get there and really put their foot in and go, This this is our team now. We yeah. can we can deliver consistently on the big stage and yeah. and start getting that team climbing the ladder. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, that will bring our podcast to the end. Uh, so by the next time you hear us, we'll be chatting about the the next Australian test. I don't know whether or not the England one will be finished by the time we get to yeah, record it. Should, it should be. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, all right, cool. So we'll have two more tests to talk about, and obviously we'll have the first well, the first game of the Big Bash that will be underway and whether or not we might be loopholing some of our captaincy things, all sorts of creeping <laughs> stuff. It's getting big. It's getting busy. Um, plenty of cricket in our part of the world to talk about, which is why we love summer so damn much. But until then, bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.